0: Welcome again to Data Beasts. If you haven't already, you subscribe. Today, the Chief MarTech, Scott Brinker, who I believe needs no further introduction, is here to help us understand how MarTech is becoming data first. So here we go. Hey, Scott, thanks for joining.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this.
0: Of course, so excited, Scott. Um, First question for you, please tell us, how is MarTech becoming data first and what is causing this shift?
1: Yeah, it's a great, uh, great question to kick us off. Um, I mean, obviously, like data is embedded in all Martech. Uh, all Martech is essentially digital, and everything digital is driven by data. But I think for like the first, you know, ten years or so here, like a lot of companies, they were thinking less about the data component of it and more of just the actual functionality, like how do we learn these new channels, how do we run these new programs, how do we run these new campaigns? And there was all these data involved in that, you know, but now that we sort of have the services uh, that we're actually executing here are becoming, you know, uh, more mature, you know, we, we understand them. Really now we're we're understanding the, the opportunity to get more leverage out of those services, uh, is by getting better uh, with the kind of data that we are feeding into these. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll go into this, but there is an infinite amount of data, you know, our uh, companies, you know, available through partners in the second data, you know, party world. We don't even have to go to third-party data, uh, and we have more data than we could possibly use at this moment. Uh, and so I think it's a really exciting time for MarTech professionals to be up-leveling Uh, how they think about what data they can use and how they can use it effectively.
0: 100%. So do you think MarTech tools will soon become data tools uh, and the ones that don't, do you think they'll become irrelevant?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what we were just chatting about, at some level, every MarTech tool has to be a data tool. Um, But I think it's fair to say that, okay, some have had relatively basic Data capabilities. You know, a lot of Martech tools, when they first got created, were very siloed. They had their own little database of, oh, okay, well, here's what's happening inside this tool, but they weren't necessarily as aware of, oh, well, what are the other signals that are happening, you know, outside of our tool that we should be aware of? You know, as we have engagements and activities within our tool, are we making sure we're passing those signals and information further downstream to others? Uh, and so, yeah, I think you see now that a lot of you know the uh, the innovation happening in Martech is really happening around having better data in and data out capabilities. And then, of course, you're like, okay, as you get more data in, how do you like even have inside your tool better abilities to apply it uh, yeah. to the particular capability of that tool? And so, I think you're right. If you know a Martech tool doesn't keep up with this uh, movement. Um, yeah, they they seriously risk falling into irrelevancy.
0: Got it, cool. Um, now, as the VP of Platform Ecosystem at HubSpot, you have an insider's view on the most pressing needs of GTM teams. Um, based on what you've seen, do you think GTM teams generally care about the technologies that are used to solve their problems?
1: I think one of the things we've seen uh, across marketing, sales, customer success, uh, partner management, partner ecosystems uh, is all of these teams have ops professionals, uh, you know, and some of them are now being aggregated into these uh, revenue ops or rev ops teams, you know, and because leveraging digital capabilities and data has become so fundamental to everything our go to market teams want to use, you know, these ops teams have really taken on the massive responsibility of making sure they actually have the capabilities to deliver, you know, on what the rest of marketing, sales, customer success want. Now you know the inside the ops team. I think you'll you'll have people who uh, yeah, are very savvy uh, about the tools they're using. Um, you know this is a big part of their job is both you know managing the existing toolset, understanding how it's evolving, but also evaluating you know other new capabilities that they bring into the stack. I think as you get further away from the inner workings of the ops team. Yeah, you know, um, (laughs) the rest of the the organization is less concerned about the specific technology and more about like, hey, can you deliver the actual, you know, program capability campaign, uh, you know, that I need to deliver my results.
0: 100%. So since you talked about ops teams, what are your thoughts uh, on the gap between data teams and and non-data teams? Do you think ops teams are suited to like beat this gap?
1: Yeah, and this is one of the things where um, (laughs) there's a wide spectrum uh, inside, uh, you know, the ops, uh, you know, profession right now. I mean, I would say all of them are relatively data savvy, uh, you know, sort of a core part of what ops is about, you know. But the truth is, when you're talking about how you're harnessing this data, you know, it's not just about being savvy about data, you know, there's increasingly these capabilities that come to things like, I mean, data engineering, you know, how are we piping these things? How are we, you know, managing data, you know, not just within these specific application silos, but across the enterprise more broadly, you know, and as you get deeper and deeper into that, I mean, this is some highly sophisticated work. I mean, speaking of ops professions, right, there's a whole universe of what we would call data ops, uh, you know, people who are specializing in this, So I I would say most marketing ops and revenue ops people probably aren't that savvy. They're not data ops people. They're not uh, data engineers, but they know enough about what they need to do with the data and they can help wrangle it, you know, from the business side uh, to kind of serve as the bridge between, yeah, really the data specialists in our organization uh, and then, yeah, all the rest of the business users who, uh, yeah, just want to see it applied.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with you on that. Um, so moving on, right? The the rise of data warehousing has sort of completely changed the martech landscape by introducing these new technologies like reverse ETL and warehouse native apps. Um, do you think these have the potential to to completely replace the way martech tools are being built and sold?
1: Absolutely. I think. Um... Yeah, I've been writing a a bit about this here over the past couple of years, where in many ways, I think MarTech, the MarTech stack, uh, kind of grew up in its isolation. Um, You know, and the reason was, you know, very logical, like, you know, digital marketing in many ways was moving faster than the rest of digital transformation inside an organization needed to move. And so marketers, you know, this is part of why they built marketing tech and ops teams is because they had to implement more capabilities frankly, ahead of what the rest of the organization was willing to do. Well, you know, fast forward here a decade, you know, and now, yeah, I mean, every organization is going through it's become cliche to even call it digital transformation. It's just, you know, these digital capabilities are now being baked in, you know, to the entire organization. And as a result, the mission is changing, where it's no longer about like, hey, this nice, you know, isolated tower of the MarTech stack. It's about like, how do our marketing activities and capabilities interface to the the broader uh, technology infrastructure that the company now has, specifically around data? And so this has been the most exciting space, as you see, uh, you know, uh, this this data warehouse layer, you know, is increasingly becoming like a foundation upon which, frankly, every department uh, inside the organization is both able to contribute uh, and also uh, pull value from. Uh, So yeah, integrating the MarTech stack with the, you know, enterprise-wide data layer is probably the most exciting thing happening in MarTech right now.
0: Okay, okay, got it, yeah. Uh, So now let's talk about data integration technologies. We've got ETL, ELT, reverse ETL, IPaaS, and CDP, right? Do you see a future where companies keep paying for multiple data integration tools and technologies?
1: You know, we've got this challenge throughout the MarTech stack where there is definitely overlap across different products and different categories. And I suspect that overlap is you know, probably going to grow, uh, you know, more just given the nature of how companies expand. Um, in some theoretical world, you would say like, oh, well, I don't want to pay for any overlap. I want, you know, this one thing to do this. And there's a very nice neat boundary. And then this other thing that I'll do the other thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that, that that is an aspirational goal that we can head towards. Uh, but today, inside most organizations, you you have overlap. And that overlap is actually useful because, depending on the particular way you're wanting to do something, it might be easier, or faster, or cheaper, you know, to yeah. do it through one product versus the other. And having a little bit of optionality and flexibility in that can be can be beneficial. That being said, uh, it's kind of like the Occam's razor of you know, Martech stack is uh, you want your stack to be as simple as it possibly can be, but no simpler. You know, so do you really need an ETL, a reverse ETL, an IPass, and a CDP? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, it really does depend on the specific structure of yeah, you know, what's happening inside your organization.
0: Yeah, and a related question here. Many organizations today continue to use IPass solutions for ETL and reverse ETL workflows. Um, and few people understand iPass better than you do. So what are your thoughts here? Do you think iPass can fully be replaced by warehouse-centric data integration technologies like ETL and reverse ETL.
1: No, and I think that's probably a good example because um, you know when you look at the you know the leading iPaaS players, one of the things they do is they tend to offer a range of use cases. You know, and so like supporting uh, you know data pipelining, ETL, reverse ETL is one of those use cases. You know, but another place where you, you actually see them tend to, you know, promote more of their functionality is almost this ability to create business workflows at the application layer, you know, crossing different apps, crossing different departmental boundaries, which is something that, yeah, ETL and reverse ETL really doesn't, yeah, even even have in its picture, you know. And so I think that's an example where you typically see, yeah, in theory, some people are using an all-in-one iPass for both their ETL work and their like, business workflow management, then I think more often now you're probably seeing cases where the data pipelining starts to be a fairly specialist set of capability. A lot of innovation, a lot of change happening in that space right now. You know, And then the workflow side is still like a massive you know, opportunity. We still have you know, barely scratched uh, all the possibilities there. So I wouldn't at all be surprised for a lot of companies to have both ETL and that sort of iPaaS workflow-ish capability in their stack.
0: True, true. Yeah, um, I, I, I think so too. Um, so um, you've made a, made a ton of uh, predictions over the last few years. If you had to make one uh, about reverse ETL or warehouse native apps, what would that be?
1: Yeah, I... Um... I'm always cautious in predictions, uh, just because. Uh, the, the, was that the, the Yogi Berra or someone like you know? Predictions are hard, especially about the future. Um, but that being said, I think I think the sophistication of the data warehouse layer um, is advancing incredibly rapidly. Um, you know, there were, there was a time when the data warehouse was really nothing but dumb storage uh, it was basically like yep we just put it there and then if we actually want to do anything with it oh uh, okay well then we have to like pipe it out into different apps um, and that process of piping was you know uh, uh, slow and expensive um, and you ended up like duplicating data all over you know the universe um, I think what we're seeing is as you know this this new generation of cloud warehouses is to continue advance, it's more and more about saying well hey there's probably a whole bunch of activities of things you want to do with your data that you don't actually have to pipe it out of the warehouse to do that that we can sort of keep you know the physical storage if one still considers there to be physical storage in the great mythical cloud you know but like we sort of keep the data in place But now we're able to actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, conduct, you know, activities on it, um, you know, do uh, manipulations to it, almost in a kind of virtualization of things that we had to, you know, uh, shove it somewhere else uh, previously before we could get access to. Um, This is an incredibly powerful direction. Like, I, I think there's a ton of innovation. I think it also, you know, raises a ton of complexity questions and, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, some of the hardest work associated with, uh, you know, data isn't the mechanics of the data. It's the things around like the agreement on the models, the agreement on the governance, uh, you know. So, in some ways, uh, yeah, having all that stuff inside, you know, the one core warehouse probably makes the tech mechanics in some ways a little bit cleaner. Um, but also like raises the bar on like, okay, you know, what are the operational processes we need to put in place to, um, you know, effectively do that without (laughs) it just turning into chaos. Well, awesome, Scott. It's been so
0: great having you on the show. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Last question for you. Do you have any tips for companies evaluating your integration technologies that we just discussed?
1: Uh, Yes, if at all possible, actually uh, uh, get a, you know, free trial, pilot program, whatever it is, like plug it in, make it work, Um, you know, when you are are getting demos, uh, the CAN demo is nice, but, uh, you know, uh, so much of this comes down to like, you know, how easy is it for a particular technology to work in your environment? Uh, And so I think just being really insistent on like, proving that out, uh, you know, as part of the acquisition, uh, you know, product acquisition process is uh, generally sound advice. Help bridge the
0: gap between data people and non-data people. Join us on databeats.community.